So if you'd like to open up at Matthew in the New Testament, about the middle of the Bible, Matthew chapter 19, verses 13 to 30. Matthew 19, 13 to 30. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? he inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honour your father and mother and love your neighbour as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers or sisters, or father or mother, or wife or children or fields, for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But those, but many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. This is God's word. Well, I don't know if anyone's ever seen those coffee table books. They're called 1001 Things to Do Before You Die. Now, there's the 1001 books you must read before you die. There's the 101 foods you must eat before you die? Uh, What about the 101 road trips you must take before you die? Uh, There's even the 1001 movies you must see before you die. Uh, You you don't want to pass over the classic 1001 historic sites you must see before you die. It actually just keeps on going. Here's one more. 1001 songs you must hear before you die. Now, if we're going to treat those books seriously, it's going to mean a very busy schedule, isn't it? Um, And look, maybe you're into that, but I think there's a sort of fake bravado and bluff that's going on with those books, even a grasping desperation, even an attempt at distraction. 
Because it's the last two words that actually really count. You die. You die. And so I want us to think about something we hardly think about as we try to distract ourselves with books and food and holidays and movies and music. What happens when we die? Life after death. Eternity. Eternal life. Uh, We hardly imagine or think about this, but I'll, I'll put it like this, and we've used this before at Christ Central, but what I've got here is a rope. It's a very long rope, I've got to say. Imagine your life. Uh, is represented by the very most tip of this rope. You know, some of you are going to get to 50 years. There's a few of you that might even get to 100 years. But then afterwards comes eternity. I've got to say, this rope's very long. It actually goes outside the hall. If you go around, you actually can see it's actually going to go to the other side of the school. Uh, in fact, actually, it goes to the other side of Eaton's Hill. In fact, this life that starts, you know, this is your life here, actually. But actually, what keeps on going, this rope actually goes, actually goes to Toowoomba. It's a very long rope. In fact, it actually goes to the edge of Queensland, uh, way out west. In fact, it actually goes to the very coastline of WA, and it keeps on going. And your life is represented by that, okay? And, you know, the funny thing is that we actually try to squeeze in all these things Uh, You know, while there's actually eternity that's that's facing us. Now, this keeps coming up in this passage. Now, check out verse 16 uh, with me, if you don't mind. Uh, Verse 16, where it says, Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Or go to verse 29. Now, this is where Jesus gives a promise And he says there, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. See, rather than 1,001 things to do before you die, there's only one thing that matters before you die. Only one thing And let me put it like this. Imagine, well, imagine today you do die and you come face to face with God and God asks you, why should I let you into my heaven? Why should I give you eternal life? Well, what would you say? What would be your response? Well, let's look at what Jesus is telling us. So first of all, verses 13 to 16, which is the time when Jesus speaks about some little children. Uh, what we have here is that people are bringing their little kids to Jesus so, they can, so that he can place his hands on them, pray for them. See, in this moment, Jesus is, is very popular. People know that there's something special about this guy. There's a, there's a touch of heaven about this guy. To be near Jesus is to experience goodness and blessing. But what we learn is the disciples, these close sort of hand-picked followers of Jesus... Don't like the crowds and the little kids, you know, wanting some time with Jesus. These disciples have taken on upon themselves to be the protectors of Jesus' schedule. Who's deserving to spend some time with him? And certainly not some messy, snotty-nosed, distracting, needy um, kids. But notice verse 14. Uh, Jesus won't have a bar of what these disciples are on about. In other words, he's about to say, who made you bouncers? Who made you the boss of who gets to be with me? So let's have a look at Jesus' words there. Verse 14, uh, where he says, 
Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he placed his hands on them, he went on from there. And what we need to realize is that, in fact, Jesus is actually returning to an earlier lesson he had taught his disciples just in the previous chapter. We have this moment, and it's on the screen. It says, Jesus called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless, you're, unless you change and become like a little ch- children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So here's the thing. Uh, With this, Jesus is actually giving us the right answer to that question. If God asks you, why should I let you into my heaven? According to Jesus, we can only have eternal life, be part of the kingdom of heaven, if we're prepared to receive it like a little child. That's the point. The disciples of Jesus are trying to hand out tickets. Who's worthy? The kids don't rate. But Jesus says it's the kids who give us the picture of those who belong to the kingdom of heaven. You know, to get this, we just need to be thinking about what children are like. You know, little child to their parents, so trusting and reliant and dependent, so needy. You know, you don't take your toddler out of the high chair one night and say, okay, kid, it's your turn to feed us. No. You know, with little kids, we just give to them and provide for them and clean up after them and love them. Uh, for a whole bunch of you parents, I guess these last couple of weeks, you've been, you know, welcome back to, you know, filling up lunch boxes and tying shoelaces and uh, combing out hair. Now, I remember the time when Kirsty was away and I had to get um, the kids to school and I got Amelia to a prep class and then I realized I'd never brushed out her long, knotted hair and it was like, you know, finger comb job and, uh, you know, that was it, you know, wild forest child look for the day. Um, But that's little kids, utterly dependent. I mean, kids give some love, but they're utterly dependent on receiving your love. So Jesus is saying here, kids belong to the kingdom of heaven. I mean, it's good to actually have this passage on today of all days. You know, Christ Central Kids is kicking off today. We've got a great team of leaders uh, doing that. Let's be a church that embraces loud, messy, needy kids who run around and make a mess. Uh, Jesus loves children. But what we're also seeing, we need to be like those children. To have eternal life, we need to come to God with no claims on ourselves. You know, God, if God asks us, why should I let you into my heaven? You know, you might answer, well, I don't know, because I've been a sort of decent sort of person and not gotten into too much trouble. And I don't know, I've raised a nice family. They, they, you know, I work hard. I look out for others. But Jesus is making it clear. No. It's not about what you've done or what you haven't done. That's adult thinking. We need to be like a child, dependent and needy. You and I, we cannot earn our way into heaven. Jesus says we need to simply come to God dependent, ready to receive his love. I'll tell you another story about uh, me and my kids. It's, um, well, it's interesting today. Actually, another thing happening today is startup for newcomers. And I hope all those that enjoy the, the newcomers' lunch, uh, they have a great time. Actually, back in the day, we actually used to have our newcomers' lunch at somebody's house. And uh, they had a pool. And um, I don't know, they're here today, I think. Um, but uh, I remember that newcomers' lunch where actually 
my three-year-old Amir was sitting on the step of the pool. I was looking out for her. I turned away, and I looked back, and then she's like, blah, 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 you know, going down to the bottom of the pool. And, you know, I just, you know, rip straight in. It's just clothes are still on. I get in there. I lift her out. I embrace her. My, you know, my knees are shaking. Um, you know, it's the most drama ever at a newcomer's lunch. But, you know, that's children. They're vulnerable. They're dependent. They need saving. So again, are you prepared to come to God like, like a child? You are not good enough that God ever says, well, well, look at you. Well, you're actually one of those worthy ones. No, in your heart you are a sinner. God sees right through you. He knows what you're like. He knows the darkness that's within. You need rescue. And Jesus came for that very reason. He came to die for sinners like us. Died to bring forgiveness. Jesus came to bring rescue. So when God asks, why should I let you into my heaven? Why should you enjoy eternal life with me? The answer isn't, because I'm good enough. Because I've done this and I've done that and I'm not like others. No, no, the answer just can't be because I've earned your love. But the answer has to be, Thank you for your love. Thank you for Jesus who died for me. You know, at the least, you know, at least little children generally are cute. Uh, so to say, you don't even have that going for you. But God is a loving, accepting, rescuing father. You know, if we'd come to him as a little child, reliant, ready to trust, he welcomes us in. To eternal life. Well, let's move on to the time when Jesus speaks to a rich man now. And again, we're given an understanding of how to enter eternal life. Before it was Jesus and some kids, now it's Jesus and some wealthy young guy. Have a look there, verse 16. Uh, verse 16, where it says, And then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Now, notice something here. Jesus has said you can't work for the kingdom. Like a child, you just have to receive uh, the kingdom. But this man asks, what must I do? Um, You know, we should take a a grateful posture, a a needy childlike posture of receiving. Do you notice this man is is about doing? I think this guy would like his own coffee table book, 1001 Good Deeds You Must Do Before You Die. What we see next is Jesus gives him an answer to his question of what he must do to inherit eternal life. Jesus says, have a look at verse 17, where where Jesus says, Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There's only one who is good. If you want to enter eternal life, if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honour your father and mother and love your neighbour as yourself. Uh, With Jesus' answer, he reminds the man of the Old Testament law. He gives a bunch of the Old Testament Ten Commandments. And Jesus does that, well, because the man is asking what he must do. So Jesus meets this man on his own terms. So tells him what he must do. See, in the history of Israel, the people of the Bible, the people were given the law. They were told what they were to do. 
that they would be blessed. It's just that Israel could never do it. They failed again and again. Their hearts were hard and wicked. So it's actually, it's actually bound to fail if you think, do your way to heaven. But for now, Jesus is playing along with him. Jesus says, do the law. Let's see what happens next. This man says, all these things I've kept, what do I still lack? I think this guy gets that there's something still missing. But then comes the moment when Jesus totally tears down his thinking and truly tells him how to inherit eternal life. Verse 21, Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go. Sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Now, why does Jesus tell this guy to do this? Is it that Jesus gives him one more thing to do, to add to the list of the things he must do? Not 1,001 things to do, but now 1,002 things to do. You know, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, and don't now keep your possessions. No, the point is really the last part of that sentence. Come to me in a childlike, dependent way and follow me. Jesus is really just bringing to sharp focus that it's about following him. You know, God asks you that question, why should I let you into my heaven? Why should I let you enjoy eternal life with me? The only answer is because I'm a child. I have nothing to impress you with, but I have Jesus. I trust in him. I follow him. You know, it's interesting that back in the day, uh, standard, standard Israelite thinking was to think that, you know, wealth and righteousness very much came together. You know, to be a good religious person uh, was meant that you'd be materially less blessed by God, you know, with money and comfort and, you know, harvests and storehouses full. Uh, that was their view. In fact, it's not that much different, much different today, really, is it? You know, people think if God's on my side, he'll bless me. If I'm struggling, well, God's obviously not on my side. So what we're seeing here is that Jesus blows that understanding apart. Jesus saying that link does not hold. Jesus tells this rich man, get rid of everything you have at the center of your life. Get rid of it. And why did this man have to give up the possessions? It's because Jesus knew this man's heart. Jesus knew what this man really cared for. God is not to be in second place. Following Jesus is not an accessory to doing the things that you really want to do in life. No, God does not want any rivals. Uh, and money and comfort and all the things that money can bring is a big rival, isn't it? We know it to be true. But we're to follow Jesus as a disciple, and that means everything else must go if it stands in the way. Now, the rich man's response to Jesus, um, well, how does the rich man respond? We're told he goes away sad because he's unwilling to give up his wealth. And the disciples' response to hearing Jesus' words, well, they're utterly astonished. Uh, let's read again verse 23. Um, Jesus' words there, verse 23, Then he said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. You've got to love that illustration from Jesus. I know who's good here at threading a needle. I can do it if I wear my glasses and I stick my tongue out. Um, you know, but, you know, try, try a big hairy camel. 
you know, it ain't going to happen as much as you shove and push that thing. And, and you know, this illustration that Jesus is giving, they're just, the disciples are so astonished with what Jesus says. They're flawed. They ask verse 26, who then can be saved? You know, if the rich, those who are supposed to be the pinnacle of goodness and righteousness and blessedness can't be saved. Well, who can be? And Jesus says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. In other words, God's changing things around. God's changing the order of things. You have to reverse your expectations of the kingdom of heaven. I think verse 30, Jesus gives a great summary. Uh, look at verse 30, where he says, but many who are first will be last and the, first, uh, and the last first. The kingdom is for those who are like a little child. Those who don't have anything to offer, just needy. And reliant, dependent. And the kingdom is for those who are willing to give up everything, become poor, in order to follow Jesus. Many who are first will be last, and the last first. So this morning is not about 1,001 things to do before you die, but the one thing that counts for when you do die. And look, your, heaven, your death might come sooner than you think. It really does for most people. So are you ready to meet God? Will you inherit eternal life? The only way to enter into life with God is on his terms. And those terms might surprise you. Don't come ready to tell him what you've done. Don't try to impress him. That's, That's not what he wants. You know, parents... Uh, your love for your kids is not dispensed on the basis of their productivity. If they're hitting the KPIs, you know, your love is not a wage. It's, it's a gift. And God wants us to come to him knowing that he's like that. Jesus has done it all for you. He died on the cross to take uh, your punishment for your sin. And so there's nothing you can give. Just, just receive by faith. And you must be prepared to follow Jesus. Everything else comes second place, even your money, your comfort, your wealth, all those things you, we tend to want to trust in. But to finish, have a look at verse 29, just a little bit more. What we're told here, there is a cost in following Jesus, but there is gain. There's great gain. Have a look at verse 29, where Jesus says there, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Um, You've got to count the cost. But there is gain. Gain in this life. I take it gain from belonging to a spiritual family. So that's gain now, you know, the idea of homes and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and fields, but also gain in the future, from the age to come, eternal life. You know, remember that, that length of rope? Our life is that. Eternity is just everything else that comes afterwards. If, you know, if we get our heads around that, um, well, we need to try to at least try to get our heads around that a little bit to know that it's actually about eternal life to come. Can you see that it's a pretty good trade, really? Giving up things now to follow Jesus who died for you and you inherit life forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. 
We need to have the long view, don't we? That following Jesus is worth it. So the question again, if you died today and you came before God and he asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Well, come to God like a needy, dependent child, knowing that you need to be rescued, um, that Jesus died on a cross to save you, and follow Jesus no matter the cost. It's, and it's worth it. This is how we inherit eternal life. Let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. Uh, we thank you that we're your kids by your grace, um, that you've adopted us in, you've made us your own. And may each and every person here know this, that uh, we are to come to you needy and dependent, um, that we have nothing to offer, we have nothing to make us worthy. Uh, may we see ourselves as sinners in need of rescue and help us to see that Jesus indeed is our rescuer, that he died in our place. Uh, Father, and help us to know that it is absolutely, absolutely worth it to give everything away in order to follow Jesus, that we would realize that he should be in first place. Thank you for uh, the promise of eternal life to belonging to the kingdom of heaven. Father, you know how we um, can so easily just look at the now. Uh, we naturally go there, but expand our vision uh, help us to know this wonderful promise that for all those who just come to you as needy, dependent childs, expressing thanks for Jesus, that you have an eternal life for us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.